Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Roger Hinchcliffe from Lambaglass joins the show for episode number 157. Roger is the creator of Steelhead Manifesto and one of the leading voices of steelhead fishing in the United States. This episode is a little different from our normal shows with an emphasis on streams, but it's a great interview loaded with knowledge and advice. Trevor Sumption from Fishhawk Electronics is co-hosting. You've been fishing a lot lately. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I actually used to fish more, yeah. <laughs> but I just came back from the West Coast, and I uh, was fortunate enough to get out for a day before we got two inches of rain and was able to get a trophy uh, steelhead. So, yeah, tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, so um, I'm known in the world for steelhead float fishing, and um, I got a real nice trophy fish on a, a WFO uh, rubber worm. You know, black with a chartreuse tail. Not what most people think for steelhead, right? They're thinking pink worms. So So why were you running it? Um, well, because everybody else runs pink, pink worms. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, the water clarity, too. Right. So, so go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about this fish. Keep hearing trophy. Like, how well, what is it? What's well, a trophy? So, what does that mean? Well, it was over 20 pounds. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so out west, the wild ocean run steelhead, you can't bring them out of the water. They got to stay in the water. You can only handle them for a few seconds, get a couple of photos, and let it go. And so you, all you can do is take measurements and, you know, estimate the fish. And, you know, it was trophy fish. Yeah. So I was happy to catch it. Sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things, um, you know, from our perspective, from the fish hawk perspective, you know, we're we're selling a lot more product in the West Coast now than, than we ever yep. have in the past. And, and, you know, we're traditionally, we've always been Great Lakes. But one of the things that I think is really interesting is the differences in fishing tactics, fishing mentality oh. from the West Coast to the Great Lakes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, so, what can you tell us about, I mean, is that yeah. is that, imagine, is that my imagination no, no, or no, is no, that no, real? No. So let me educate you. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, please do. So okay. I'm from Michigan. Okay. Okay. I've been fishing Erie Tribs and Steelhead Alley my whole life. And out here, we run a six, an eight, you know, 11, maybe a 15 gram float. Out there, I was running one ounce, which is 35 grams. So we they're using 35 and 40 grams. But the reason for that is they've got some big rivers, like real rivers, like I've Columbia been river. Yeah, I've been well, just the velocity, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they got boulders the size of this table. Sure. And um, I, full transparency, I've been rowing a drift boat my whole life. No way am I rowing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got buddies that do that for me because, yeah. I mean, there's some real rivers. They're pulling. And yeah. So there, because they're moving so fast, and you've got to get down because you've only got so much of a window mm -hmm. for a bite window, and they use bigger stuff and they use larger profiles. Mm -hmm. And are you center pin in there? Are you center pin here? Or? Yeah, I center pin uh, that particular fish I caught on a spiral wrap bait caster. Mm -hmm. I was uh, fishing some prototype rods that Lamb of Glass and I have designed. Yeah. 
was fishing those, but it was not a bait caster. Okay. But I do a lot of center pinning. I, I pull plugs. I throw spinners. I have a seminar later today on spinners, you know, so whatever it takes to put fish in the net. Just pulling those spinners. Is that something that I just remember as a kid? Was, yeah, just go out there and pull some spinners. That so, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, really about the spinner bite, um, I definitely use it as a tactic early in the fall. And the purpose of that is um, if you don't have enough, because like in Michigan, we'll use Michigan as an example because that's where I'm from, but we have the Manistee strain run fish. It's a spring run fish. They don't have to come up in the fall. That's what most people don't realize. You know, they don't have to come up. And so if God blesses us with the right weather and the right rain. temps and rain to yeah. bring us fish up early, but early, you know, late September, early October, there's fish in the rivers because every river has its own run clock, but there's not a lot of them. And so I use a spinner as a searching bait, as a searching tool to find fish. Find and then once I locate fish, then because an average steelhead pot is going to be 15 to 25 fish in the Great Lakes, you know, where out west you might get a pair, you know, of wild fish. But Anyways, once I've located them, then, um, you know, I can anchor up and maybe use some more finesse techniques. And then the other time I use spinners would be later in the season and actually in the wintertime. Um, the water gets so cold here, you know, out west, it very rarely gets below 38 degrees. I mean, here, that's warm water sure. for the winter, right? So what i like to do is when we're at that 33 degree water period and the fish are basically like in a lethargic coma you know because they're so cold i'll use a number five silver blade an actual bigger blade to, to try to wake that fish up out of its sleep so a spinner can be used year-round in my opinion so. you know, two other things you know and this is kind of the west coast east coast thing right yeah um scent so scents seem like they're just way more prevalent in use in yeah the western so, rivers so i'll give you my take on scent yeah so a fish can smell in parts per billion if people can't wrap their head around how good that is that's a thousand times better than my german short-haired pointer and this is what cracks me up about the great lakes so the fish use their nose to navigate the fish use their nose to avoid danger. The fish use their nose to find food. But mysteriously, when they get into the river, they no longer use their nose. <laughs> Who believes this crap, right? And so what I'm trying to tell people is every time you touch something, you deposit El Sarin. So in 1987, some Canadian scientists took human skin cells and created a homopathic solution. They deposited into the river. The salmon stopped migrating. Now, did they say that's Roger Hinchcliffe and he's going to eat me? No. Then they took bear pelts and put them in the river. The fish stopped migrating. Did they say Yogi the bear is going to eat me? Of course not. And so I feel like finally, through education, people in the Great Lakes are finally realizing that scent can help your catch rates. And I don't care what you're fishing for. And so in my seminars, I explain to people out west in a retail location, there will be scents from the floor yeah, that's all what the I way see. to the yeah, ceiling. I mean, aisles of it. Yeah. Aisles of it. Yeah. And you come here yeah. and people 
oh, they're just trying to sell me something. But for the salmon trolling guys or the walleye guys, mm-hmm. you'll see them come up to the fly or the spoon, and then they refuse it. Well, that's because it didn't smell right. Mm-hmm. So it's not the end-all, be-all. Yeah. But I will tell you from bass to steelhead, walleye, whatever, scent can actually help you catch more fish, in yeah. my opinion. You really see that. And I, and I noticed that, too. That's what maybe maybe really pay attention is just like you said you go into a you go into a retail, uh, fishing retail store yes. in the western united states and there's a significant amount of shelf space dedicated yes. to just two cents just two cent. and you don't and you just don't see that here yeah uh, the other question i have well I, maybe it's not a question but the observation maybe is it kind of makes me when you know, Chris and I were out in Oregon last last June, and, and uh, you know, doing sampling some of the fishing there. But coming home, it makes you kind of appreciate what you got here. I mean, but, if you're a Michigander, right, or the Great Lake, I mean, yes. we've got some fantastic. I mean, we're, we're, so, so we're fishing sp- Pacific fish, but we're right. fishing them in the Great Lakes. We stock 5.2 million steelhead yearly, so we have the world's largest steelhead population on planet Earth, but we also have the largest angling population for steelhead on planet earth and that's all the more reason for scent because you're fishing for overfished fish because sure. most folks don't realize that fish have memory spans and they get sure. educated because most folks release their steelhead so mm-hmm. once you caught that high metabolism fish right which has the shortest memory span or you got a um um a slow metabolism fish which has the longest memory span every time you catch one of those fish you just took a willful biter out of the deal but what's great for us is if you get another high water event or another weather event it brings you more fresh fish more willful biters we are truly spoiled rotten in the great lakes in the great lakes and my friends out west you know for sure. I think they're jealous. Well, I'm not going to publicly <laughs> say that and get myself in trouble, but yeah, yeah. I will say that um, I think, well, I've had people say I'm jealous, mm-hmm. you know, because you can still have a 30, 40 fish steelhead day in the Great Lakes. Right. I mean, years ago before steelheading got real popular on Ohio trips, I used to have 100 fish a day. You know what I mean? That's insane. But um, out there, you're fishing for one to three bites a, a day. day. A day. Yeah. And, like, if you get that bobber down and you were late to the party on the hook set. Well, I mean, you know, you always think of it as a kid, you know, I was dreamed of the Alaskan salmon trip. Yes, you know? yes. You know, the Alaskan salmon trip now in some rivers, you get your tag. Yeah. You catch your fish, you're done. Yeah. That's one fish. Well, we're going to go out on Lake Ontario in May on the bar, and we're going to get 30 or 40 bites a morning. Yep. I mean, that Now, just see, like, on the anymore. trolling game out west, they get one rod per man. One, yeah, exactly. And, and Marvelous hooks. Yeah. Yeah. In Michigan, we <laughs> you got three rods a man. Yeah, right. you know. So right. seeing, you know, eleven, twelve rods doesn't happen. You don't see that out there, but you see it in the Great Lakes. Yeah, you know. So we're spoiled, world class fishery, no doubt. So we, we've got a lot of people that watch. They're in the trolling game. That's what they do. Yeah. You know, maybe I just want to go fishing for an hour after work. I don't have to deal with putting the boat in, taking it out, doing all that kind of stuff. How would somebody who has been a troller and they want to get into this game? What kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, pretty pretty straightforward. I mean, at the end of the day, so the fly guys call it a strike indicator. The hardcore center mm. pin guys call it a float. float. At the end of the day, it's a bobber. It's a bobber. Right? <laughs> I, knew that was, I knew we were going Yeah, there. I mean, come on, man. It's a bobber. I mean, my first fish was on a bluegill, was on, uh, on a bobber, and it was a bluegill. But 
I would tell them at a minimum, get a nine and a half foot rod. That's a great rod, all around rod. Um, now, if you have a larger stream, you know, maybe a 10-6 float rod, right? You just need a float, right? A bobber. And you're going to need some split shot to weight your float down. Then you would run your, a tiny swivel and then a fluorocarbon leader. And then from there, the sky's the limit. You could use a jig, right? You could use a leech, a nightcrawler, a bead, or a spawn bag, um, even a shrimp. You know, that, that's another thing that cracks me up. The pier guys that fish on piers will fish with shrimp. But mysteriously, when the steelhead pass the concrete barrier, <laughs> they, they go into the river, they won't. I mean, come on, guys. So they're steelhead. They're, they're, their diet is very vast, and pretty much they'll eat anything. The name of the game is to always remember that a steelhead is eight inches off the bottom. They're there for a reason. Uh, and it's not only into the drop back phase that they're not eight inches off the bottom. So when you set your float depth, you want to make sure you're close to the bottom because that's going to help you get more bites and more fish. And that's it. Yeah. Pretty simple, pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, it's a bobber. Right. <laughs> hey, say what you will, but the moment that the bobber gets sucked underwater, it's... Oh, it's, yeah. It's uh, the tug is the drug. the tug is the drug. There when that go. bobber drains, we call it the bobber drain. Yep. When it goes under, and you set that hook, and that, and hey, the mighty steelhead is the fastest freshwater fish on planet Earth. It moves at twenty six feet per second, which is around thirty five miles per hour. When you get one on, it's a lot of fun. Right. Uh, I think the word I used earlier was Romanac was psycho because yeah, when I when I think yes. steelhead I think psycho. And then yeah, if you ever get a chance to either fish Michigan or Northwest Indiana for the scamania, mm -hmm. the landing ratio of a scam is uh, about thirty three percent. I mean, you're only going to yeah. land one out of three, and the reason is because of their fat factor. You know, our manistee strain fish have a four percent fat factor, and the the manistee or the uh, scamania strain has a larger fat factor. It's the fat factor and water temp which dictates how hard they fight. But if you've ever done battle with a scamania, yeah, it, it's cartwheeling evil. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Cartwheeling evil. To me, I think they're the closest to the saltwater fish. Right. Out west, that western fish. You know, Roger. I don't want to get want you to give away like your secret spot or anything, but yeah, what kind of the places that are well known type destinations for steelhead. What are some of your kind of favorite spots? I would tell people uh, for Michigan. If you come to Michigan, uh, the Manistee River is a, a an amazing place. It actually gets wild fish too, right? The Manistee River, the Grand River, the Pure Marquette River. Uh, the Betsy River. There's all kinds of rivers uh, to fish. You know, out here, uh, the Cataraugus Creek is good. Um, obviously, the mighty Niagara. I did fish that the other day. I got two words for you: chocolate milk. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard. I've heard it's a little. I've heard it's a little brown here. This well, what it is is the wind. Yeah. You yeah. know, it, yeah. it, it, that, hey, that's fishing. Right? Yeah. But I was happy that I got out on the mighty Niagara. And got to experience it, and it's and it's cool. You go up to the gorge there, and it's yes. all those big sinkholes and stuff. That's pretty. Oh yeah, it's pretty. That's well, I saw pretty, one in Whirlpool. Yeah, it's 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 real deal. It's I like, was like, boy, thank God I got my blue cross paid and my heart <laughs> right with Jesus and a life jacket because that was intimidating. I'm not going to lie to you. You're wearing a lamb glass hat, and I know that's yeah. a, that's a 
brand that you work for and a brand that you're passionate about. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I started working for Lama Glass in 2016 as a pro staffer. On uh, 2017, they had asked me to design a f my very first rod with them. Um, and I've, since then, I've designed over 33 different rods for them, and including walleye rods, all 13 walleye rods. I designed those. But uh, what had happened is uh, things went so well with my rod designs and our sales out here that I was promoted to the national sales manager. So I managed all the sales staff around the country. And then uh, in October of last year, unfortunately, our CEO had been in an airplane crash and passed away. And so a position opened up and I became the vice president of the company. And it's so, a real job. Yeah, I got a real that, job. That's one of those be careful what you wish for. Us, well, right? see, that's yeah. the thing. Everyone thinks, well, once you get into that fishing yeah. industry, mm. you, all you do is fish. Right? I think, I think and, we could all... Yeah. yeah, we all, all we do is story. talk about. Right, right. Yeah, we're we're here. You guys are out there. Right? Yeah, but I mean, I'm going to try to get some fishing in. But um, if, if folks aren't familiar, Lamaglass is the godfather of every fishing rod in this building. Yeah, right. We're the ones that perfected graphite with the Boeing engineers back in the 70s, and and we've been in business since 1949. Uh, Fenwick came from us. Uh, Sage Rods came from us. Gary Loomis spent seven years with us. So it's an iconic brand. Our strong suits is salmon, steelhead, and the surf rod arena. Um, but we are offering, you know, bass rods, walleye rods, trout and panfish rods. And now that, you know, I'm kind of elevated in the company, we are going to take things into some other directions. And we're going to try to expand in some other arenas and other channels of fi the fishing business. I, I remember my, my first true steelhead rod was a tied on a llama glass. Was it? Glass. Awesome. Oh, yeah, that was yeah, it was a big deal. You know, it was a, my yeah. first my first drift rod was yeah. on a lamb. Well, I, so. to be honest with you, we had a rough uh, two years during COVID. Even though sales were there, our problem was getting Material. the stuff. Yeah. We needed yeah. cork and guides yeah. no. and glue and reel seats yeah. and graphite and and employees. You know, yeah, like you some, can't. Yeah, that's another we've, subject. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah. So. Very good. Roger, is there anything that you, uh, anything else you wanted to talk about before we let you go here? No, I, you know, I'll tell you this. Um, I would encourage people to come out to a show like this. And I always open my seminars up. Listen, I don't profess to know everything because I don't. Everyone's entitled to an opinion, but nobody's entitled to the facts. And what I would tell people is if you got cabin fever, get on out. Come to one of these shows, go to a seminar, Amen. and learn because it's a lifelong journey. You will never know it all. We can all learn from each other. And that's what I'd encourage people to do. And just get outdoors and enjoy the sport of fishing because, to me, it truly is therapy. Trevor, anything, any closing thoughts? How can you How can you best that? I mean, that's right. Doesn't get any better than that, so that was perfect. Speaking the truth, Roger Hincliffe, Trevor Sumption. Thanks so much for watching this afternoon. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.